Welcome to ICUP with We. This is an ICP podcast by a new listener and an old fan from back in the day. I'm Aaron. And I'm Eric. And today we're reviewing 1999's The Amazing Jekyll Brothers. You're listening to the ICUP with We podcast. The Amazing Jekyll Brothers. The Amazing Jekyll Brothers. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of ICUP with We, uh, the show where we talk about insane clown posse. Uh, I am not alone. Mm. I am here with my co-host with the co-most, Eric. Eric, how you doing? I am I am doing all right. Uh, you know, just just continuing along down this crazy winding path that is life. Uh, how are you? I am fantastic. Same old, same old uh, as that far sounds, as yeah. as me goes. Looking forward to yet another week of this amazing podcast and having a conversation about the insane clown posse. Yeah. I, uh, you know, this has become quite interesting. This, this podcast, uh, we are, I feel like we are both learning. I am learning. You are learning. We are sharing. We are uh, experiencing new things. 100%. And honestly, as far as ICP's catalog goes, I'm looking into it, and I don't know about you, Eric, but I think I would consider us officially balls deep. We absolutely, I mean, balls deep. Um, I think we, we are, are in it. We are, we are what, 14 episodes deep, 13 releases deep. Oof. We started uh, with, it's, it's been almost a decade of, of music that we have now covered of theirs. Uh, so much has happened. And actually a little bit later in the show, um, I was going to ask you if this is cool. Hopefully it is. It's been a minute since we've had a sort of what's going on in the world of ICP update. And I have a little bit of a, a history update that we can talk about. Uh, oh yeah, and, let's and do it. It's been happening. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, but first let's talk about 1999 in hip hop. Yes. Let's get to 1999. I'm yeah. looking at your list here and there are some, Insane albums that were le- released uh, in 1999. Yeah. You want to go ahead and, and run us through some? Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to. You know, I think um, 97 was a big year. 98 was a little bit strange, kind of an off year. 99, another big year. Real quickly, outside of the world of hip hop, there's been another big shift in music. Uh, late 90s and into the early 2000s, we saw the explosion of. Uh, new metal into the mainstream so you had bands like limp biscuit and corn that were really big at this time as well it's just worth mentioning love it but back to hip-hop uh lots of artists released greatest hits and collection albums in 1999 i didn't list them all out because there were so many i think that it's probably because record labels had some sort of deal that they had to get some kind of album out before maybe the turn of the century i'm not sure that could be the first one yeah, yeah, you think do you think that's that could be it? 
That makes sense from an office uh, financial perspective. Right, right. But let's get into the albums. Yes. Um, one of the biggest and most significant hip-hop albums, uh, pop culture relevant-wise, Eminem, the Slim Shady LP dropped with songs like My Name Is, Guilty Conscience, Just Don't Give a Fuck, and so many other ones. Amazing. That one was a big one. That was a, that was a game changer. That's huge. Um, next up, we had uh, The Roots, Things Fall Apart, featuring my favorite Roots track, You Got Me, featuring Erica Badu. Uh, great video for that one as well. I definitely remember that song, yes. Yep, yep. Um, I would sing some for you, but we've got other albums to get to. Yes. Uh, Isham dropped Male Dominance, spelled M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. Okay. Super uh, and cool. then... We had this dynamic last year as well. Very strange thing. I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, DMX had released two albums in the same year, seven months apart. Nas did it in 1999 with I Am featuring the track Hate Me Now that featured <laughs> P. Diddy. Uh, I think he was P. Diddy by that point. Might have still been Puff Daddy. I don't know. Mm. And then seven months later, recorded and released in 99, released Nostradamus. So this yeah, this mean, this wasn't like pieces of work that he's been sitting on for a while. Like he released I Am, then recorded all of Nostradamus and released yep. it same year. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Both albums of new content. Uh, apparently some of I Am had leaked in 98, but it was like, you know, unmixed tracks and stuff. And then right. it released in 99, then went on to record and release a whole nother album. Just wild. Super cool. Uh, this is becoming an annual thing. I think almost every episode we've mentioned this Snoop Dogg dropped no limit top dog. Yes. Just keep he, he, you know, he is perennial. Um, and we're going to be talking about Snoop Dogg a little bit more later too. We will be talking about Snoop Dogg Uh probably a couple of times later. Um, Ja Rule dropped Veni Vedi Vici featuring the track. Holla, holla. Uh, Ja Rule, I don't know if you know this, but for like a hot minute was everywhere. Dude, I felt like, I always felt like he was. I mean, I was still very young in 1999, but I always felt like Ja Rule was like a household name. Well, yeah, then I grew up and I was like, what the fuck, Ja Rule? Like, I haven't heard his name in forever. I feel like he just kind of like disappeared until the Fire Festival. 2001. Yeah. Oh, fire festival. <laughs> yeah, until until the fire festival, then his name shot back up on the charts. <laughs> yes. Uh, what else that year? Missy Elliott released "The Real World" with Hot Boys. Uh, Memphis Bleak dropped dropped "Coming of Age" with Memphis Bleak is uh, Puff Daddy released "Forever." Um, Eve released "Let There Be Eve." Rough Riders first lady. That's the name of the album. Let There Be Eve, Rough Riders, First Lady. Nice. Okay. Um, Old Dirty Bastard, who we will also talk about a little bit later, <laughs> dropped his magnum opus. Um, I'm just going to call it End Please with the hit Got Your Money. Sick. Uh, Method Man and Red Man put out Blackout. Uh, Most Deaf dropped Black on Both Sides, featuring the tracks Miss Fat Booty and... It wasn't a big hit, but Rock and Roll is a great track. Definitely worth listening to on that one. Uh, After putting out his final album in 1998, uh, Master P went on to release another album called Only God Can Judge Me. Hell yeah. 
Uh, Nodis, another Esham project, uh, released wicketworldwide.com. Uh, the internet was uh, becoming a thing at that point. And yeah, so I kind of figured. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lil Wayne's debut album came out. The block is hot. Dude, Lil Wayne is starting to be starting to come up on our fucking podcast now. Yeah. We're we're getting in, dude. We're getting yeah. in there. Uh, Dr. Dre released 2001. The, the, keep in mind, this is the year 1999 and he dropped 2001. Uh, I think the reasoning there and I I'm I'm actually nearly positive this is true is because Suge Knight and Death Row Records put out an album called The Chronic 2000 to capitalize on, you know, the 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 popularity of Dr. Dre's album The Chronic. Right. Um, so Dre had to call his 2001. I, I don't know, but it had, uh, multiple big hits on it. Like still DRE Dre, uh, forgot about Dre and the next episode, many of them featuring Eminem, uh, Q-tip dropped amplified with the song vibrant thing, a song title that has always bothered me because I feel like the word is vibrant, not vibrant. Although Dude. maybe <laughs> vibrant is a word. I don't know. Uh, that's like, uh, that's like a, um, a q-tip averse word yeah yeah totally um for sure because uh, he also uses it in a tribe called i forget what song um actually i think they also have a song called vibrant or maybe it was on a compilation i don't know might be, anyways might be. but he uses it in some some tribe uh works as well I remember particularly liking the video for that because uh there were some um Anyway, nice. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. dropped Born Again. Uh, again, um, we talked about the fact that his last album came out. Actually, the last two came out, I believe, uh, posthumously. And so, yet yeah, this is another one. Right. Um, speaking of posthumous releases, uh, Tupac and Outlaws dropped Still I Rise. I, I don't know. Uh, I it's wild. Uh, Jay Z put out Volume Three: The Life and Times of S. Carter with the iconic track "Big Pimpin." Big Pimpin. And uh, finally, DMX released, and then there was X with the track "Party Up in Here." Y'all gonna make me lose my mind? Up in Up here. Up in here. Up, Up in, here. in here. Up in here. What a yeah, great so, song! To to, great to ring in the the 21st century yeah everybody was terrified <laughs> at home because uh y2k was coming oh but, yeah uh, they were they were having uh parties at home with candles lit and shotguns in hand and just singing up in here up in here up in here yep y'all gonna make me lose my mind all right yeah so all right that has been a massive year in 1999 for yes. for other works of hip-hop let's talk what, what what all do we need to know about the amazing jekyll brothers what what'd you dig up for us this time well before we get too deep into jekyll brothers we need to talk about what has happened since the release of milenko yes so just to set the stage it's been two years since the great Milenko came out and publicity exploded and ICP basically became household names overnight. They were on the news. People were talking about them in sitcoms and stuff. They were everywhere. And a lot has happened. Crazy. So 
uh, I found this website that actually lists every one of their tours and shows they've ever done back to their first show. And almost all of them have flyers scanned. It's crazy oh, that this wow. exists. But Jeez. since Malenko released, they went on their first real tour. And when I say real tour, I mean more than, you know, things that were four days or six days or maybe even eight days of sporadic shows. They went on their first real like multiple week shows every night kind of tour. Right. Uh, and they, in that two years, toured the country multiple times. They also re-released their earlier albums nationally through Island, so people were hearing those early albums that they hadn't heard before. They started building out the psychopathic roster by signing Twisted and Misery. They This one is crazy, and I, I didn't realize it until I looked at it, but I knew this was happening. In that two years... 97, 98, leading into 99 when this released. They wrestled for ECW, then WWF, then WCW. Then they started their own wrestling federation called JCW, which still exists. So I've heard about JCW, and I knew that they were both massive, massive wrestling fans, but I didn't know that it was a serious thing for them for a while. They, they were legit actual wrestlers uh, on a team, I believe, called the Oddities or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah. They, they wrestled Damn. for all the major federations. Living my dream. It's crazy. Good job, ICP. So uh, also during this time in those two years. Now, previous to these two years, they were nonstop releasing music and trying to grind and get stuff out there. During this two years, they were, yes, working on recording, but not releasing new stuff like in 98. Last episode, we reviewed uh, Forgotten Freshness. That was their big release, but it was not new content. Um, so they had a lot of time on their hands. And in that time, uh, they got into some legal trouble. Violent J was arrested for aggravated battery. He, uh, he struck a concert goer in Albuquerque 30 times with his microphone during a show. Uh, oh, shit. Kind of went off on somebody. Uh, they held him for four hours and then released him on $5,000 bail. So that, that was that. Which is um, nothing to them at this point. No, at this point, no. Not a big deal to them. Uh, they, uh, they were at a Waffle House after a show um, during this era as well. And a customer started harassing them. Like they were literally just sitting eating them, Twisted Misery and uh, Psycho Realm, one of the other artists that was traveling with them. And a customer started getting on their case, making fun of, I think, twisted or something and they got in a fight and literally you know it turned into a brawl uh they were all charged with battery which was later reduced to disorderly conduct and they were fined two hundred dollars each even less of 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 insignificant money (laughs) right right and uh then one of the most important things that we need to talk about is that during a show in 1998, Violent J had a full-on panic attack on stage. Uh, He went backstage and cut off all his hair at this time. They both had long dreadlocks and were kind of known for it. Uh, But he did it so that nobody could talk him into doing any more shows. He was like, no, you know, I'm not doing any more. And he was full-on suicidal and uh, irrational. He was hospitalized for two days. They canceled the last two weeks of that tour. After some medication and therapy, he was able to begin to manage the panic attacks and move forward, but it had a pretty profound impact on him. So their lives were very full during that time. It sounds like it. Yeah. And it does definitely sound stressful. 
Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't blame them for for not being able to cope with it. Yeah, uh, so, you know, especially get, like blowing up almost seemingly overnight, like they did. You know, yeah, they definitely were grinding for a long time, but they went from relatively obscure and having fandom in a few small places to oh my god, they're big and everywhere. How do you deal with this? Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's got to be hard to deal with for sure. So. After recording through 98 and the early part of 99 with Mike Clark and Legs Diamond, they dropped Jekyll Brothers on May 25th, 1999. There was a lot of attention on it as a follow-up to The Great Malenko. Just to, you know, kind of give you a feel for what was going on, this was less than a week after Star Wars The Phantom Menace dropped, a little over three weeks after SpongeBob first premiered, and also one month after the Columbine High School Massacre. Not that those things are related, but... That's what was going on in the world of pop culture entertainment news right then. So, Jeez, yeah, kind of crazy. You have to imagine this album coming out a month after Columbine probably was a little shaky for Island to release. Yeah, that's like we're not talking about releasing a, a gospel album a month no. after Columbine. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, that's. It was definitely shaky for Island to release, but I mean, yeah. clearly it worked out pretty well. It definitely did. Uh, they, it was, I mean, I remember when it came out, it was a big deal. Like record stores had huge displays for it and stuff. Uh, it came out with two different covers, Jake and Jack. One was in a yellow jewel case. One was in a red jewel case, even though they were identical. You know, of course, if you were a collector, you had to buy them both. Uh, and I was trying to find a way to make sense of the theme of the album, but uh, I found a quote from Violent J himself that says it better than I possibly could. Uh, Jekyll brothers are jugglers. They, Jake is the positive side, Jack is the negative side, and they are basically juggling these fireballs that are actually your evil deeds and your sins. And so the question is, can they juggle the amount of sins you have? If they can't handle it, then, well, you're going to hell. If they can handle your sins and maintain the juggle, then you go to heaven. So it's huh. all about balancing how shitty of a person you are in your life. Yeah, I read that this album also draws inspirations from Dante's Inferno, and the lyrics depict a man torn between righteousness and evil as he travels through the nine circles of hell. But I don't think I buy that because I've listened to it again, and I don't get that progression through it. Yeah, it's definitely not obvious. No, if it's there, I don't. I don't. Yeah, if it's it. there at all, because I yeah, I didn't really get get that vibe as well. No. No, uh, it was definitely um, a good release for Island, though. This this album hit number four on Billboard, and it went platinum. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, so, that's, that's good. This is two platinum albums in a row for them. Uh, let's talk, you know, you mentioned that we might talk about Snoop Dogg a bit later in this episode. Here's one of the places. There are some abundant features on this album, so... Uh, right from the beginning, apparently their goal was to get some of their favorite hip-hop artists. They wanted Snoop Dogg, Old Dirty Bastard, and Ice-T on the record, which they did, sort of. I'll tell you about that in a second. Right. But it also features appearances by the Jerky Boys, Twisted, and the ska band Gangster Fun. So they've got lots of features on this one. Here's how this played out. They contacted Snoop Dogg, and he said, I'll do it, but I don't want you to pay the label. I don't want you to give any money to No Limit Records. Instead, 
I'll do the appearance if you give me $40,000 in cash in a briefcase, <laughs> which they did. And that blows my mind. Forty grand for a verse. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Good so God. They told him, we also want to get ODB on this record. And Snoop was like, all right, let me put you in contact for him. So ODB says, I'll do the album for 30 grand, which also blows my mind. Uh, and he re- they, they were OK, agreed. I, I mean, I guess if Island is foot in the bill, fuck it, do it right. Oh, for sure. But yeah. ODB recorded his feature over two days. Unfortunately, the recording he sent to them was nothing but him rambling about bitches. And apparently Jay and Shaggy sat down with Pro Tools and it took them a week to assemble anything that resembled a verse out of what he sent because it it didn't go to a beat. It didn't have any kind of cadence that really made sense. (laughs) Uh, And because of it, they actually went back and re-recorded their own verses and renamed the song to Bitches to align (laughs) with with his feature. Oh, incredible. Bending over backwards for ODB himself. Yeah. And then they they did contact Ice-T, who did a feature for 10 grand, which still feels crazy to me. Still a lot um, of money. Yeah. But they didn't feel like the track made sense for the album. The song is called Dead End, and it tells the story of three death row inmates that are being put to death. Each of them, Shaggy, Ice-T, and Jay, all have a verse. Um, and that song appears on an album called Psychopathics from Outer Space, which is a weird album because it's a compilation featuring all the psychopathic record artists at the time. But it was released totally bootleg style on a new label that they established called Joe and Joey Records. They also released an album called Psychopathic Ridas, which is a whole new group of them taking on fake gangsta personas and like hijacking beats from popular artists at the time. It's so weird. But uh, Psychopathics from Outer Space is sort of like Forgotten Freshness, but only half of the songs are credited directly to ICP. Some of them are Twisted Tracks, some are Misery, some are other artists, some are fake supergroups. I don't know if it makes sense for us to review it because of that. We are going to miss out on a few cool tracks. There's an Eminem diss track on this record from that era where ICP and Eminem were basically just doing homophobic disses back and forth toward each other. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, if it makes sense to, to review that album. Um, but another thing is we should probably just talk about the Eminem beef because it really hit fever pitch during this 99 sort of 2000 time frame. Yeah. So, let's, let's get I, into I, it. We, we get, we got to do it. So I did a bunch of research here. I'd always heard things, but I was able to dig up a lot of stuff and put together the story. I, and I, I believe that this is pretty concise at this point. There's a lot of different reports that show varying different elements, but from everything I saw, this is it. So according to Violent J, this started in 1997 when he and Misery were at St. Andrews Hall in Detroit. And Eminem was there handing out flyers to promote the Slim Shady EP release show, which came out in 97. Right. And apparently Eminem walks up to Violent J and gave him a flyer. And when you looked at the flyer, there was a section I actually saw a scan of the flyer that said also invited in the house. And it included mm-hmm. Insane Clown Posse, Esham, Kid Rock, and a ton of other Detroit artists. And Violent J was kind of pissed. And he's like, 
why didn't you ask before putting us on your flyer? And Eminem said, well, I said, maybe you'd be there. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. So I'm asking you now, are you going to come? Because it's going to be cool. And Violent J was like, fuck no. If we're not coming, maybe if you had asked us before you put us on the flyer, we would consider coming. But we're not we're not doing it. And then he left. Which was completely like I would have been on his side for sure. You can't you can't do that. The thing is, when you listen to those early Eminem records, even the Slim Shady LP, it's very much in line with the style of ICP. That first record has tons of humor and horrorcore stuff. It's definitely that Detroit horrorcore sound. If you try to say that ICP had no influence on Eminem's early stuff, it would be a lie. There's right. just no way. Um, but because of this experience, Eminem started dissing ICP in interviews and during freestyles in the following years. And things really set off in 99 when Eminem was on the Howard Stern show on the success of the new single and album that had just come out. My name is had, you know, blown up on MTV and the radio. And the story goes like this. I watched some of this interview. He is hard to watch because Eminem is young and cocky and shitty. Uh, But Howard Stern says, tell me what you think about some of these other Detroit musicians. And he asked about Kiss and he asked about some of these other ones, Kid Rock and stuff. And when he Uh asked about ICP, Eminem says something like, who? Oh, those guys. We used to beat their asses all the time back in the day. Jeez. And he's talking, Eminem at this point is talking to somebody who has a platinum record yes absolutely like that is ballsy yeah like they had blown up at this point um but you know he was he was feeling on top of the world and still had his beef and whatever um so the next day on the show stern has icp on who he already knew them they had a relationship with howard stern and he tells them what eminem says and jay was like we don't even know that bitch like right. literally don't know this guy. So in response, ICP and twisted record a parody of my name is called slim anus, which was played on numerous radio shows and really <laughs> solidified the beef between ICP and Eminem. It lasted years. Both of them were putting diss tracks and skits aimed at each other on their albums. It seems though, from everything I see that the beef has been squashed with Eminem's crew D12 and ICP crew becoming friends. And ICP Shaggy even said, it's so far in the past, it's like high school drama that doesn't even matter anymore. Right. So, <laughs> but it was very real for a while. It sounds super real for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about what we are currently hearing and what we have been putting into our ears for the past week. And that is. Yeah the amazing Jekyll brothers, Eric, what are your overall thoughts? Well, man, uh, you and I have not talked about this one at all before this. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, but when I listen to it, this is the first album of theirs that just does not hold up the way I expected it to. It feels so dated and cheesy in a way. The other ones don't to me. Uh, Yes, there are still some things I liked about it, but there is a distinct, early 2000s sound to it and it was hard for me to listen to at times uh i saw lots of descriptions of this album stating that this was a departure from the more metal influenced sound of malenko toward a traditional hip-hop sound and i think that's completely the opposite of the truth to me when i listened to this one like yeah sure they had slash and alice cooper on malenko but that sounded like a hip-hop record that sounded like them this one has way more guitar and like 
rock metal sing the chorus stuff going on way more than i remember even like uh it's definitely the beginning of the era of icp that i think most people recognize uh and listening to it now i can tell you my best memory of this album was going to see them because biohazard opened i don't even remember seeing icp perform i just remember seeing biohazard because they're like one of my all-time favorite bands and one of the bands that got me into hardcore so they were amazing um man this was a this was a, a weird album for me to go back and listen to what about you dude let me let me tell you man i this was a an absolute chore to listen to yeah um, it was not enjoyable for me mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. one hour and nine minutes yeah. not enjoyable but it, you know it's funny because I, I was listening to, you know I, I i put it on the first time um and i started listening to it and i think damn i thought eric said that we we're done with this like rap metal like bullshit i thought we were moving away from this with the great malenko um because you're right the great malenko it still felt like a hip-hop album this did not no this felt like oh. a rock metal almost new metal type album with a couple like true hip-hop songs yep exactly um so it was released uh two days before my birthday in 1999 um don't know what how old i was back then but man this was we'll we'll get into it a little more as we get into the specific uh songs but um i remember listening to this the first time and then I told myself, damn, this might be the first one that I don't listen to twice. I might not listen to it again before the episode recording. But I did it just because I wanted to be fair to it. Cause I, I, I listened to it back on like Wednesday. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be fair to it. I'm going to give it that one more listen right before we record. Good God. I've never had a more punishing Sunday morning in my life. Yeah, man. I this was the first one we've listened to that um, I don't remember particularly disliking this album. Although, like I said, I always remember Malenko being the turning point album for me. Like this was as far as they could go, and then it starts to tip in the wrong direction a bit. And yes, there's still a lot of stuff I like that they do after this, but this was the first one listening to that was very difficult for me not to skip through tracks part way in. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I wanted to skip through tracks the first time I listened to it, you know, and just it, it got to the point where I was like, damn, do you think I could bullshit some explanation about this track if I only look at the lyrics and not have to listen to it? You know <laughs> what? If there's tracks, I mean, we don't we we can absolutely be like, yeah, here's what my thoughts were moving on, you know, Dude, and, and, and it it was hard for me to come up with more thought for some of these songs it was hard for me to come up with more thoughts than nah this shit sucks yeah I, you know i think some of this has to do with the the musical landscape at the time i think probably the reason it didn't stand out as weird to me is this is what music was sounding like then but when i go back and compare it to all their other stuff oof it's it's rough it's dated but i think we might let's go track by track. Let's get into it. We're talking enough about it. Let's start with the intro. What were your thoughts on the intro? Yes, the intro. Uh, this is classic Joker's card formatting, 
where mm-hmm. with the skit intro and then the next song is really going to be an actual intro um mm-hmm. it was just a, a skit of a, a guy walking into an old shop uh looking for for something for i, I believe his dad yeah yeah um the the acting i gotta say was pretty fucking cheesy yeah pretty bad accent yeah bad accent the that it was just cheesy the way some lines were delivered it really yeah. got me disappointed because i thought i do i thought that skits were what they had nailed down yeah i mean especially after malenko that they crushed the skits oh yeah they knocked those out of the fucking park yeah um and so I, listening to this for the first new release since malenko listening to this yeah. skit right off the bat i was like ah oh, come on man yeah, I actually had similar notes to you. I wrote down, this is part of that Joker's card formula. Intro, theme song, high energy first track. At least this is short, but I have written down probably their weakest intro so far, in my opinion. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, too. I, I, I liked the brevity of it. You're right. Uh, because yeah. even if you put it with the next track, which is a true intro track as well, yeah. um, it still only comes out to be like a minute 40 yeah minute 45 i mean it's it's or or two minutes 45 together both of them yeah they're Um, both a bit over a minute they're yeah they're both a minute 20 each roughly yeah so um so so let's go ahead and get into the next track then uh jake jekyll uh what, what were your thoughts here eric uh you know i actually think this is kind of a cool beat it does have some of the circus carnival sort of feeling to it but i really love that deep kick and the the sort of high snare i think it's really cool it's short um i don't care much about what he's saying there but i do really like the sample of shaggy going boom shaka boom because that's from chicken hunting where he says i I just realized it when i was listening to it he goes boom shaka boom chop chop bang i'm too dope and it ain't no thing and they're just sampling and looping that boom shaka boom part and i thought that was kind of cool uh yeah those it's kind of a lame theme song but beat was cool that part was cool what were your thoughts honestly the exact same as yours i mean i had it's i it's a classic joker's card intro um i don't care about the lyrics as much on these the beat when it kicks in it was kind of fucking cool man yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah. I, I think think we're in agreement on this one. Well, all right. Well, then let's uh, let's bring it on with the next track called "Bring It On." Um, this is the first proper song, and again, following the formula, they always come hard with a high energy first track. What are your thoughts on "Bring It On"? Bring it on. I didn't like it as much as the movie uh, with the same name. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, bring it on. Super good movie. Maybe we'll do a yeah. podcast about that one day. Um, sure. Intro beat was way too busy. I yeah. think it was, of, I think, and then it can kind of continued on from there. I think it was a very convoluted song as far as the beat goes. Um, I was not a fan of it. It just, it, it was everywhere, but nowhere at all. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, a David Koresh reference. Yeah, that's a good line, though. It's a good line. I can wear a filler jacket and look fresh. I pimp it like David Koresh was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the David Koresh reference. I think that was yeah, the only thing like I, I liked. Koresh um, the yeah. Taco Land sketch at the end, I was a, yeah. heavily a fan of. 
Yeah. Um, especially because they ended it. Brought back. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. I even wrote it down. I was like, they brought back fuck off. And that's one of my favorite things at, yeah. at this point in their history. Yes. Um, absolutely. Eric, what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, man, I think this track is fine. It's okay. I hate the chorus. Um, there's a couple points where when they're doing the bring it, bring it, Jay is like really struggling for those notes. Right. Um, I think overall the lyrics are pretty meh. The bridge bothers me. The whole Jekyll drop ball, Shangri-La dies. But I guess it helps to explain the concept a little. I don't know. I almost skipped through this song. I've heard it enough times. I was like, I don't need to, but I listened to it. Um, as far as the first three track Joker's card formula goes, where it's got the get the actual intro the first song i think this is the weakest combination across the board all three oh, of these yeah. tracks are weaker uh together and individually than on any of the other jokers cards i i truly think um that skit at the end i think is pretty lame but i'll admit i still quote how about i make for you instead a fresh slice of tomato on pita no <laughs> like it's dumb it's stupid but it is dope that they brought the fuck oof back. Fuck you know. oof. Dude, yeah, yeah I, I think so too. It was, man, that, the only redeeming quality of that song seems like the Taco Land sketch at the end. Yeah. yeah um, so it was pretty funny. But other than that, it was, I agree with you, that was the worst combination yeah. um, of, of the first three tracks. And, and af- honestly, after that track, going into the next track, I was scared as fuck. Of how the and rest of this so. w- was gonna go, then we get into uh, "I Want My Shit," um, which mm-hmm. is a song. Listen, I loved the beat and the flow here at the beginning of this yeah. song. Um, yeah. I think the song was super chill. We got Fago reference number one, which would be uh, at the end of the hook. Um, so yeah. Shaggy Two Dope does the hook, and then yeah. Violent J. Uh, tagged it with and a little sip of fago too the uh the guitars kick in eh, it was okay it wasn't the worst time that that's happened yeah in in this album it wasn't the worst yeah. use of guitar yeah um and almost every track has guitars on it oh yeah almost yeah, every, yeah. Track. every track it's it's way too much it stresses much. stresses me out thinking about it same, um same the uh the banter that they had in this song was super funny. Okay, yes, I have that note too. So okay, here we one go. of the later verses. So Jay is talking about um he's been alive for a long time and he won't die. He can't die until he gets the things in life that he wants to get. And so he's talking about himself going through different stages of history. And so yes, so it's it's the second verse. It's Violent Jay's verse. It is I walked across enemy lines with a Mac 10. Then Shaggy says, man, they don't even have that shit back then. And he says, uh, Violent J says, how are you just going to come up in my shit and fuck it up? And then um, Shaggy responds with, well, at least make this shit sound real, man. Damn. And then yeah. Violent J gets back into the verse with say, by saying, I walked across enemy lines with a lantern. <laughs> it was, just, yeah. it, was it was really was fucking great. funny. I th- dude, yeah. I heavily enjoyed that part of the song. Same. Um, same. 
other than that, I mean, obviously the very last line is, uh, I said, Fago fuck Mountain Dew, which was, or not last line, but d- towards the end, last there. chorus, yeah. um, last chorus, fuck Mountain Dew. So that was pretty funny, but you know, this song was enjoyable for me. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I think for me, this could have been a great song without the terrible, like, rock choruses and the whole guitars just going crazy and i was like uh uh uh, you're kind of hurting this song for me uh but i have have a couple really like um strange issues with the song number one at the beginning of the song he says taurus born in 1775 i'm like 300 and something but i'm still alive and that bothers me because this record came out in 1999 which would have made him 224, not 307. <laughs> I did not do the math. That's actually, uh, I'm glad that you did. That's pretty funny. Uh, it stood out to me right away. <laughs> I was like, that's wrong. <laughs> um, but the other thing that bothers me is I'm like, all right, you've been alive for over 200 years. And the only things you want in life are a rusty axe. You want to know voodoo. You want a fat bitch named Bridget. And a sip of Fago. And in 200 years, you haven't been able to accomplish these relatively simple things. I, I mean, literally don't know how, how you are still walking this earth. The I mean, I could have gotten this done in 10 minutes. Right. I mean, knowing voodoo, you could probably learn that online. Or at least, you know, go to Jamaica. And I assume there's somebody there that can teach you. Uh, because I'm... If I'm remembering correctly, um, in the film, the great work of cinematic art, Weekend at Bernie's 2, they are in Jamaica, and they use voodoo to reanimate Bernie's body. Um, So if they could do that, I'm sure there's somebody that could help you out. God, what a ridiculous movie. Um (laughs) What a ridiculous movie. Correction. Although voodoo, or obia, is practiced in Jamaica, the film Weekend at Bernie's 2 takes place in St. Thomas. U.S. Virgin Islands. Those are my thoughts on I Want My Shit. Yeah, I, I, I think, listen, I'm looking past, I'm enjoying this song and looking past the shitty, shitty rock choruses and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because the rest of the album has way shittier rock choruses and verses and just. That's, that's true. Terrible. I mean, I'm looking at this as best case scenario, you know, the, the storytelling and all the good things that they do is here. And I like those aspects of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, track five, which is called bitches. Now this is not a remake of the song from basement cuts back 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a new song that we talked about earlier featuring old dirty bastard Uh, friend. What are your thoughts on bitches? Man, the beat is okay. Mm. The flow was aggressive. Mm-hmm. And actually I was I was ready to tear this song apart um until I found out the information that uh <laughs> yeah. they had to rewrite the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and write something to the old dirty bastard fucking verse. The song was okay. It was forgettable. It's very forgettable uh, for me. The skit at the end was super good. Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, I 
I thought the beat was kind of fun with just that weird sort of uh, uh, keyboard sort of riff at the beginning. It's weird. Uh, right. And it kind of catches it. I think the song overall is kind of meh. I like that it's a more straightforward hip hop track. That ODB feature is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> God, that's going to keep it keeps me up at night, man. Yeah, Shaggy's verse is pretty good, though, uh, comparatively uh, to the rest of the song. I think he's the the standout moment. But that Jerky Boy skit at the end that they played on uh, Psychopathic's management is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really funny. Um, And there's another one of this similar theme uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that's all I have for bitches. That's, that's all I've got too. Let's move on to terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric, take it away. I absolutely fucking hate the intro to this song. I hate it. I hate the way I hate the music. I hate what Shaggy's doing and saying there. Um, it's stupid. It detracts from the song. But once we get into the song, I really like the lyrics and the cadence. I like the subject matter. Uh, I think it's weird that they edited out Michael Jackson's name when they say Michael Jackson squeezed up on some little kid's balls. Um, The chorus is lame to me, but I like the gang vocals. And uh, there's two parts that really stood out to me. Uh, One of them, when Shaggy talks about the differing public reaction and media reaction to EZE dying of AIDS and people pretty much didn't care or talk about it. And then he says, heroin and a shotgun made Kurt Cobain a hero. In, and then he says, maybe I should do that shit so Jay can get paid. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I we heard that. We talked about that before. I was like, that's really good. And then there's a whole coming out of the bridge into a verse Violent J is talking about, you know, you stood for slavery, you stood for war, but go ahead and hang your flag up some more. And you've got this sort of redneck voice going, don't worry about my flag. What's really terrible is you goddamn rappers cursing. And I was like, that's genius. But then that whole verse that follows that, uh, where Shaggy says, you put a slave owner on the $1 bill and you wonder why I kill people. I was like, this whole part of the song is dope. Oh, yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Um, sonically, God, this song is awful. But yeah, if you li- if you pay attention to it, if you listen to the lyrics, if you if you read the lyrics, yeah, it makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, yeah. so my first official note I have about this song is what I thought ICP was before I listened to ICP. <laughs> yep. I mean, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It was uh. Very forgettable if you listen to it without paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, if if you pay attention to the to lyrical content, or like you said, rather, if you pay attention to the lyrical content, it's incredible. And it, they've got you're right. I mean, they have some amazing lines in here. Uh, you kind of yeah. highlighted all the ones that I wanted to wanted to go through as well. So I'm yeah. not gonna go through them again. But if this song had had a different track and production i would have felt different about it but it's ugh, it was kind of hard to listen to at times oh yeah oh yeah so uh shall we move on from this one to track seven i stab people yes please do what are your thoughts all right let's go ahead and move on to uh the next track another love song uh no i kid but this song was corny <laughs> as fuck and i hated it uh it's short 
it's short. short. It's super short. It's the only redeeming quality. I mean, it's it's like a stand up routine. It's you know uh, a little bit clever at time. Jay's delivery is good, but it's you know a minute and a half long about him stabbing people. It's one verse, one chorus. Yep, love it. Hate it. This shit sucks. Perfect. Let's Another love song. <laughs> Um, um hmm. well i'd seen somewhere that this is supposed to be the the follow-up to the original song love song on ringmaster mm-hmm. but to me this has nothing to do spiritually or sonically in any way to do with that track uh tonally content wise nothing uh i think this this beat to me felt really dated and lame and uh, i just my my <laughs> My notes here are, the beat is dated as lame, it sucks, the song sucks, I remember PETA being all up on their case over the I killed your precious cat line and it still makes me cringe now, uh, and after this song and bitches, I'm starting to wonder what happened in Jay's personal life, clearly a botched romantic relationship. Uh, those are my thoughts on this song. Oh, for what are sure. Um, I actually thought that the cheesy out, uh, the cheesy dated beat kind of worked for the song in a ha ha, this is bad way. I'm sure it was intentional. Yeah. Um, so I thought the beat was, was pretty okay. The song was not okay though. I mean, the song no. was, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was, I I don't know. It's about him loving a girl, but he has to kill her because she fucked his homies. I don't know. It's Yeah, and that's where like like it starts off with him just like fawning over this this girl. Um I could yeah. buy you a Lexus truck with a white leather interior. I could kill mm-hmm. off some bears and dogs and shit just to make you a fur coat. And then it comes in just like almost abruptly with, "Oh, you fucked my homie, so I'm going to like kill you." Yeah. Where yeah. did that come from? Like just I- I think that was like a intentional comedic strategy to go, oh, we're going to, I mean, you're listening to this album. You could expect that to be a thing coming. They're not going to sure. just do a straight yeah. up love song, but it definitely is kind of like, oh, I don't know if the punchline matches the setup here, but okay. Exactly. It's, it's man, I think with a little bit of rewriting and a little bit more effort, they could have pulled it off a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. It was not great. Nah, but. nah, it wasn't. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to um, Everybody Rise. So Everybody Rise, I thought yeah. was was kind of hard as fuck. Yeah, I thought it was hard. the The beat was cool. The guitar wasn't. No. Um, the flows were pretty cool though. I mean, the yeah. the flows were were nice, but the guitar is just overpowering and. Yeah, Terrible. Uh, there's, you know, agree, agree on that. I, I kind of think the song is sort of lame. However, I do like that they're, you know, fuck out of here if you ain't down with the clown. And I think I, I don't really like the chorus where they're east side rise, north side rise, you know, all that. I'm like, okay, uh, I sort of get it. There's a couple of interesting things in this song to me going back to listen to it now. Uh, there's a line where Shaggy says, fuck Palooza, big festivals, we'll never sell out to you, bitch-ass hoes. Uh, two months later, they played Woodstock 99. So, <laughs> um, and I think they they got lit up because they were causing issues because they were throwing piles of $100 bills into the crowd and people were like getting crazy about it. Really? Yeah. 
That's pretty funny. Uh, also, their beef with Corn at this time uh, comes through, making song fun of Corn's uh, song from their first album, uh, F F Slur. Yes, uh, that's the name, name of the song. Um, uh, yeah, those were the most interesting things about it. Was that I forgot they beefed with Corn, and I think that their beef with Corn was because they were supposed to tour with them, and Corn didn't want to or something happened something fell apart there and so that's how that beef started but it was short-lived i you know i, I wasn't even aware of corned beef until i saw this corned beef, <laughs> you said corned beef. <laughs> i wasn't even aware of the beef with corn trust me i am aware of corned beef um I, I was not even aware of the beef with corn until i read the lyrics of this song i thought oh i guess they're beefing with corn right now mm-hmm um, you know, yeah, this song was just, it, it feels like it was a, a poorly cobbled together juggalo anthem that yeah, just never really fully took, took form. That's exactly right. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it better. That's how it feels. And you couldn't say it worse. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, next track up is play with me. Now, um, this is a song I've never fully understood the concept of, but always thought it was kind of cool. It's told from the perspective, literally, of a toy. And this is Jay doing his storytelling thing. Uh, I, I, kind of a cool track. What do you What do you think? Man, this song sucked. I hated it. Yeah? Oh, man. I thought it was so fucking corny. I thought the storytelling wasn't nearly as good as, as what he's been able to do in the past. No, no. Um, and I just, I don't get the point of this song. It's a weird, it's a weird song. Um, there's as much as I kind of don't like what they do with the chorus. I also kind of do like the chorus that the, the musically sort of it's, I don't know if it's like straight up guitars or some sort of, uh, synth riff on there, but it, it feels kind of big and eerie. I don't know. It's a weird song. It doesn't make sense from them really because it doesn't have anything to do with their story uh it's just a weird track you know and and on an album that already has 17 tracks this this one could have been cut because it's not you're not saying anything in it yeah you know put that one on psychopathics from outer space yeah um exactly you know and it's uh, god man i hate i hate being so negative on (laughs) like this episode because I'm not a negative person, but I just, I can't get over how bad it is. And they cannot all be winners. Every album can't be great. Hey, we've had, we've had a few good ones in a row here though. So, uh, but okay. They they were, they were, they were due for a a flub. You're right. Uh, Yeah. And I didn't remember this one being a flub, but it, it absolutely objectively (laughs) is a, uh, a blunder on their part. Oh Um, yeah. Let's move on from play with me. Let's talk about Jack Jekyll. What are your thoughts on Jack Jekyll? Jack Jekyll. It's, I mean, immediately coming in with the circus beat, um, just hitting us with it hard. You get jerked back into reality that oh yeah this is a joker's card this actually should have a point to it and uh it's i mean it's just it seems like it's a another it's a midway through this the album intro to set you back on track 
Yeah, it's pretty much identical to track two musically, except yes. it's uh, instead of Jay talking about who Jake Jekyll is being good, it's Shaggy talking about Jack Jekyll being bad. Being bad, yeah. Uh, I don't know that we need it again, but it kind of is nice to refocus. It it fucking bugs the shit out of me that they didn't make this track nine and bisect the album because it's 17 tracks, make it track nine and have it perfectly in the middle, but track 11, fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, That kind of bugged me a little bit too. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's us just being weird. Um, Yeah, maybe. So let's, let's go ahead and move on to, uh, to track number 12. Fuck the world. Eric, what are your thoughts? Oh, what are my thoughts? I think, the beat is okay. I do think it's a little long. Overstays its welcome for me. Um, I I understand where this song came from. I understand that at this point, they had gotten nothing but hate from a lot of mainstream media. Um, they were... Sure, they were getting attention, but they were being made fun of. They were Their albums were getting shitty reviews and stuff. And... I think just being disgusted with everything to make a song saying fuck everything. I, I get it. Uh, interesting oh, yeah. thing. I remember this song caused some issues for them with, of all people, the beastie boys. Really? Because there's a line where he says, uh, fuck the beastie boys and the Dalai Lama, because they were, you know, doing a lot of stuff for Tibetan freedom and stuff at the time. Um, but apparently where that beef not even beef tension. It wasn't a beef. It was a tension came from is ICP was working with a publicity company to promote the album and do pictures and all this stuff that apparently also repped the beastie boys and the people that worked for this uh, publicity company were friends with the beastie boys and the beastie boys wanted that line removed or changed because they didn't like disparaging the work they were doing. Um, And violent J was like, now we got censored on the last album and I'm not doing that shit again. So he fired the publicity company and moved on. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know too much guitar shit on this one for me. Uh, what are your thoughts on fuck the world, man? Uh, I, I, yet another, just aggressive song, um, with aggressive lyrics and I'm fine with their aggressive lyrics. Yeah. Give me a good beat to go with it. Not just fucking, jamming down on open strings of a guitar that has been plugged into four metal zone boss pedals god man it's it's just it's disappointing (laughs) um it's just it sucked it sucked yeah it's it's not great this is the track that when you hear it i remember laughing at it at the time and there are a few funny lines there's a few decent flows but um this is the track where you start to feel like they're becoming a caricature of themselves. They're going, people expect ICP to be this, so yes. we have to be this. And when you said, this is the album that sounds like how I feel like I thought ICP sounded, it's about half that and half not that. And when I hear the bits of it that remind me of the 13 albums we've reviewed so far, those moments make me still go, oh, okay, there's something good here. But when I hear the other side, I go, oh, I remember why I kind of stopped paying attention to them. Yeah, it's very just becoming caricatures of themselves. You're absolutely yeah. right. Even though I stumbled um, through that word. Um, yeah, it's fine. But speaking of that... 
Uh, let's move on to a very different track. Uh, track 13 is The Shaggy Show featuring Snoop Dogg and Gangster Fun. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Man, I had a lot of fun listening to this song. Let me tell you. Yep. The beat uh, it was cool. There's a very fun start. I had high hopes for it going into it. The Snoop Dogg feature was awesome. It's Man, I, I enjoyed this song. I really yeah. enjoyed this song. There's good lines. I mean, honestly, it's it's like a uh, it's Shaggy Two Dope that has a talk show. Yeah, and I would heavily enjoy an actual Shaggy talk show. He, I think he has one on YouTube now. Dude, so okay, so he um, does he streams on Twitch sometimes too. Yeah. Uh, I know I know he's doing stuff on YouTube and Twitch. I don't know that it's a straight up talk show, but he definitely is doing content. Yes. Not not content in the uh, you know, Twitter sense or uh, you know, OnlyFans sense, but you know, content in the traditional sense. Well, and and uh honestly, with all this talk <laughs> of um Ellen uh stepping down from Ellen, I think Shaggy should take over. Dude, that would be amazing. You know what? Let's start the campaign right now. Get Shaggy Two Dope to take over the Ellen show. Don't change the name of the show. Still have it be called Ellen. <laughs> Never reference the fact that it's not Ellen anymore. Just Shaggy Two Dope walks in day one like he's been doing it for five years. Walks into the crowd, dances with the audience a little, sits down, talks to fucking Justin Timberlake or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Talks to the newest damn Daniel. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would watch the show. I do. I watched it. I would be a huge fan of Ellen. The show. Yeah. <laughs> the Ellen show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think this song is fine. It's fine to listen to once. I probably won't go back and, you know, I mean, I've heard it multiple times, but it's not the type of song I need to go back and be like, oh, this is a great to listen to song because structurally it's very broken up because you've got like a verse, then you've got like your sort of uh, bumper music playing out to commercial. Then you've got your commercials, which those commercials, the skits with Twisted are very funny. I thought they were really well done. Oh, yeah. But I, I kind of felt felt myself listening to this going, man, I wish I was just listening to the Joker's Wild again. I, 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 I could see where you would think that for sure. Uh, the song, the song was just too long for me. It, it's fine. It's fine. It's not bad on this album. It's one of the stronger tracks. So those are, yeah, let's say this, this song would have been a throwaway, uh, song on the great Malenko or ringmaster, I think. But after just listening to like 20 minutes of bullshit and then you get to this song, you're like, oh, okay, yes, yes. Reset yeah. here. Reset. Yes. Uh, yeah, speaking it. of reset, let's reset one more time and get back into their bullshit. That is the amazing Jekyll brothers. Eric, what do you feel about the next track? Mad professor. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we may differ on this one, but I love this beat. I think the skits are funny. Uh, the storytelling is cool. Um, I think there aren't enough tracks like this on this album because this is a straightforward, more like their tracks hip hop song um it reminded me a little bit of a song like um toy box that was on uh riddle box uh and i think it's this might be the first track i can think of that doesn't have obnoxious guitar riffs over the chorus 
I actually dug this one. I feel like this is one of the few tracks on here that feels like them or like them so far and less like the obnoxious rock and roll metal kind of feel of a lot of these other tracks. But what are your thoughts? So I, I didn't like this song a lot, but I will definitely admit this is a, a track that is not absolutely terrible. Like the rest of the album, as far as the, the music goes, in my opinion, it's terrible like the rest of the album. More, in fact, in, in like the vibe of it. I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this song. Uh, the beat was a lot better than the rest. Uh, there's a, a cool reference to Rock and Rye, which is the uh, Fago flavor that I'm going to review today. Man, it, it just got, with, with listening to so much of this album, just back to back to back to back to back. And not enjoying it, it got to the point where anything that wasn't so different, like you know, the Shaggy show, just started sounding like fucking white noise. I think this track is very akin to "I Want My Shit" in the sense that it's not a bad track, um, but it's weird that they are in both of these tracks, sort of recreating their origin stories which have already been established and i'm like what none of this has anything to do with anything right it's weird that you're telling a story but what is this fucking story this isn't part of the story um and i don't dislike either of those tracks they're fine but they also again play into that caricature aspect of you know you're not talking about where you grew up or where you guys actually came from you're making up sci-fi stories fantasy stories about it but I do love the fuck out of this beat. So, like I said, man, if if at this point in the album, if it's not something that is vastly different, like the Shaggy Show, I am just—it's all molding together for me. Well, I'm curious to see what you think about this next track, which is by far, in every aspect, the most extreme, like, holy fuck, song on this album this is assassins it's a ghetto boys cover sort of it's a reimagining of a ghetto boys track you what do you what do you think about this one right so um the beat was cool the flows were amazing actually Mm. um i i i didn't mind this song too much i did not hate this song you're right it's definitely a reimagining and i and i have i actually wish i i could have had time to go back and listen to the actual ghetto boys track. Mm. Um, I did not have time to before sitting down to record, um, but I've listened to it before. And, yeah. and so, so I kind of went in there with, with some prior knowledge. Um, it took me the first, so I had no clue that that's what that, this was during my first listen through. I was like, this is oddly familiar. Yeah. And then I, I I looked at the song title. And I was like, "Oh shit, okay." But no, I I didn't hate it. I I I did not like love it. Okay, but I didn't hate it either. I thought the um, the beat was cool and the flows were were way better on this track than most of the album. Yeah, and you would think, okay, that's because they are just covering a song that they've heard a million times before, so they're just laying it out. It's not actually their flows. The thing is, though. Although they keep the story and tone and content from the original, they've largely rewritten a lot of the lyrics. They keep some lines and elements here and there. Um, right. Yes. It is very. It's a very extreme lyrical song. 
Um, but also musically, uh, I'll admit I fucking love the guitar tone on this song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really good, but it's also the most like aggressive guitar. Like I, I remember when this album released, uh, I walked into school and my friend Jay was sitting there and he was like, dude, have you listened to the rest of that album yet? And I was like, no. And he goes, uh, their next album is just going to be straight up metal because <laughs> he had heard that song and he was like that it's over. This is the next album. They are going to be a metal band. Right. Um, I think, I I think this song feels so metal to me. And at the same time, it feels more organic and more on the nose than most of the other tracks that have a lot of guitar in it. This works better, but holy shit, it's wow. You know, some heavy guitars and stuff. I think Shag, yeah. Shag delivery especially, though, is solid as hell. You're right. The guitars didn't feel forced in like they right. did in so many of the other tracks. Um, and the tone was nice too. I, I do agree with you on that one. Yeah. But the fact that your friend thought well, was was convinced that they'll be a metal band after listening to this song was was pretty. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also also pretty funny. There's another Jerky Boy skit at the end of this one, uh, yes. and there are some hilarious lines in it. There, we, we, for the longest time, and I think it probably still comes up without even knowing where the reference comes from. Who's helloing me? Get off the phone, you stupid ass. Like, there's some funny <laughs> shit in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some funny stuff in this. So so let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, we have two tracks left. Let's move on yeah. to uh, Echo Side. Eric, what were your thoughts? Yeah, this one's featuring Twisted. Um, I like that it's a more traditional hip-hop track, but I also think the song is kind of boring. Uh, I do like having Twisted on the track because it adds more voices and keeps things interesting. Uh I'm not sure if the chorus is real words or not. I tried to look it up. I've never known what the fuck the chorus was saying. And I actually heard that this song was what inspired them to form the supergroup Dark Lotus and that they consider this to be the first Dark Lotus song, uh, which is kind of interesting because tonally it feels and sounds kind of like a Dark Lotus song. Uh-huh. If it were just a little more boring. Right. So. I love the twisted feature uh, for the same reason uh, that that you did, and the fact that it gave them a few more voices to interact with and keep my attention, especially this late in the album. Very slow, creepy song. There is. Uh, the, are you talking when you say the chorus? You're talking about like th- those chanting parts. No, not the backwards talking. The uh, the women singing. The the female voices singing. I'm not sure what they're saying. Oh, I know okay. what the backwards stuff is because I remember we flipped it backwards and we were surprised when the backwards talking on this dark, really sort of evil song was uh, something like, fuck the devil, fuck that shit. We believe in life legit. If you follow what we say, then why'd you throw your life away? Something like that. Right. That that So yeah, the backwards parts, those aren't annotated here for me. And neither are the women singing. For some I couldn't find the women singing, but they're saying yeah. something like, it sounds like they're saying echo side, echo side, not ooh, ha, ha, echo side. And there's like something in there. I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. I could, it's not on here. And I didn't really look too much further into it, but yeah, no, I mean this, this, this song was fine. Forgettable. I don't think I'll ever listen to it again, but, uh, I didn't hate that. I had to listen to it in the first place. You it's, know? Yeah. Same. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, that's kind of all my thoughts are on that one. 
Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the last track. It's called Nothing's Left. Uh, what are your thoughts here? So the first note I have, um, nothing left, nothing special. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Man, at this point, at this point, I'm, you know, you're an hour and three minutes Mm -hmm. into listening to this and they hit you with this six minute song. It's got to the point where I'm like, man, I want to turn this off as soon as possible. It literally three lines into the very long repeated part at the end hey jake jekyll fly twist and spin to the other side i i kind of uh fast forwarded it a couple more seconds realized that it was just that part till the end and i turned Mm -hmm. it off um this is also part of the joker's card formula the last track is usually something that's a little got a little more heart it's a little more serious and heartfelt uh and keeping in step with the first three tracks that are part of the formula this is the weakest last track on any of the joker's cards to me so far yeah um i have three notes on this one and i'll read them to you verbatim please do this is a bad rock song Mm -hmm. i hate it it's too long and it sucks yep absolutely Bad rock song for sure. I definitely agree with you. On, agree with you on that one. It's yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more that we can say on it. Honestly, um, yep. you're right. It does keep in theme with the Joker's cards. There's no denying that. But you're right once again that just like the other three songs in this, you know, just like the other three songs we talked about, weakest by far. Yeah. As far as Joker's Cards formula songs. Yep. Disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. Anyways, not at all. that is uh, us talking through these 17 tracks. Let's yep. talk about something that might be difficult here. Favorite tracks. What are our favorite tracks that we want to put on our uh, playlist? Man, I don't. I really don't know. Um the two that that stand out to me are Mad Professor because I really like the overall feel of the song and Terrible because I really like the lyrics and you know content of the song. And I'm torn between the two. Uh, I want to hear yours and then I'll pick. Okay, so mine, I was not torn, but mine is actually neither of the ones that you said. Okay. Mine, I, dude, I want my shit. I don't know why. No, no. I was just drawn to that song. I, I, well, okay. I want my shit is yours. Then I am going to go with, you know, I could go with either one for different reasons. I could go with Mad Professor because it is tonally similar to I want my shit with mm-hmm. that sort of origin storytelling. Yours tells the origin of Violent J. Mine tells the origin of Shaggy. That could make sense. Um, I could go with Terrible because it's complete departure you know what? My first instinct is Mad Professor because I think that's the song that I like best on the album. So go with Boom. Mad Professor. Let's do it. All right. These have been added. We added. are now up to 26 songs, two hours, 10 minutes. Listen, I want my shit. I would love to hear them redo this song one day because I think it's amazing. There's just a lot of shit they could change. 
yeah, it's a fun. It was a fun song to see them play live for sure. Oh, I bet it sounds like a, a very fun live song. Alrighty, so we have our playlist updated. Let's talk about our Fago scores. Yeah, lots of Fago references on this record. How many Fagos do we give it though? So music and beats, Eric. What are you thinking? I was really torn on this one. The production overall in the mix is really quality, but I think that as much as I love uh, Legs Diamond and Mike Clark's work, I'm really challenged with this one. Um, I'm going to go with a three. I'm going to go with a three. All right, three, three. That's respectable. Um, I'm honestly going to go with a two on it. I think, man, Legs Diamond and Mike Clark, they're incredible They've shown themselves as nothing but competent producers um, all throughout ICP's work, but this one mm. was just a huge swing and a miss with all of the just jarring guitar parts. I'm, I'm going with the two. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Lyrics and flows, I think, were, again, not that great. I mean, they had mm. some good parts. Um, I think that they're a little bit better than the music and beats. So I went ahead and gave them a, a two and a half. I also gave it a two and a half because I, I think this is um, pretty middle of the road for them. This is, this is them doing the bare minimum. Yes. Bare minimum is a, a great way to explain it. Yeah. Um, skits and interludes. Mm-hmm. I thought that there are some funny ones, but at the same yeah. time, there are some real shit the beds like the intro. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, and which is very disappointing because I thought they really, they stepped into their own on it with the last Joker's card. So um, I'm going to go three on that. Um, I went with a three because although there were some that were very strong, there was a few that were eh, pretty whack as well. So agree for sure vibe at time of release i don't think they fucking hit that very well no i don't think so honestly i mean maybe they uh you know what i think they did they just hit it more on a new metal side with this album than they did on a hip-hop side yeah and that could have been a very middle of the road new metal album i think <laughs> um, i don't know if i would i i don't think it's quite there it sort of walks a line between but what what was your score so so i am I, I went with a two and a half on it i just don't think it was quite there for hip-hop and if we scored it against new metal it would really only just be okay 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 i uh, gave it a four for a very specific reason they at the time brought in elements of music that were very popular and mainstream accessible. And if you listen to this album at the time, nobody would have said this is a new metal album. They would just say, oh yeah, well, you know, there's some rock elements and rap, which a lot of hip hop and rap artists were doing. And a lot of, you know, rock and metal artists were bringing in hip hop and it was not an uncommon thing to do. And the reason I gave this a four is because if Malenko hooked people, Jekyll Brothers is the one that solidified fans and determined who they were going to be from there. The album went platinum. This was a huge release for them. I don't like it. And I think changing their style in this way uh, right now seems like an abrupt change. At the time, seemed like an organic change, but it worked for them. So I think they deserve the four. 
Okay, yeah, I mean, I, that's your reasoning is solid. I just think, man, I don't know what to think. You, you, you're you're right though in the fact that nobody called this a new metal album back then because new metal right. wasn't. I mean, it was just starting. Yeah, right? I mean, and it it um, had a sound. This didn't sound like Corner Limp Biscuit. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like Corner Limp Biscuit, but yeah. I think it sounds more like them than it did, you know, <laughs> DMX. <laughs> You know? Sure. No. Definitely um, correct. And 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 you're absolutely right when you say that that this kind of solidified who ICP fans were going to be. Yeah. This album. Yeah. And uh, you know, as we go forward, I think that we are probably both going to start to go. Yep. This is kind of how they're starting to sound. I don't. That's speculation because I don't remember, but I think so. Either way, when we take all of our scores and we average them out. We come out to 2.8125, one of the lowest scores we've given so far. Uh, it, it rounds out to a, an even three Fagos. Hey, uh, listen, the amazing Jekyll Brothers, congrats on getting what you deserve. Next up, I'm going to review Rockin some Rye. Rock and Rye. Let me tell you, yeah. thank God I remembered last night to put this in my fridge for right. this morning. They're on top of the fridge. You got to bring them down and put them in the fridge. It, w- it was 930 at night, and I I walked by my fridge, and I thought, oh, shit, I need to put that rock and rye in the fridge. Um, so let me actually go get it out of the fridge now, and I'll be right back. We'd like to purchase a can of Fago. So was there a reason that you didn't get one for yourself? Uh, because this one contains caffeine, um, and I do not partake in anything that contains caffeine. See, that's what I assumed, but I looked at the. I'm looking at the bottle right now, and it says naturally caffeine free. Rock and Rye does. Yeah, I yeah. Let me here. I'll snap a picture of it real fast. Oh man, I fucked up. I wish I had one. Now I want to try it. If you have the ability to do the Rock and Rye. I say we, yeah. we we pop this bad boy back in the fridge for me, and you can pick one up uh, for yourself yeah. for next week or something. Oh heck yeah! Um, let's we have multiple blue ones. You want to do a blue one? Yes, dealer's choice. What do you got? Uh, let's go with cotton candy. Let's get that shit out of the way. Alrighty, please. Um, okay. I'm gonna go grab that as well as a cup with ice, so I can pour it in and have it cold. I'll do the same. Alrighty. <laughs> have you got well we have orange root beer grape very cherry cola lemon lime fruit punch rock and rye and straw uh, red pot let's talk cotton candy fago uh yeah so in place of rock and rye which we'll hold till uh, we'll do it next episode um we're trying cotton candy fago uh, I do kind of love the way this bottle and the soda itself looks. Uh, it's it's cool with the pink and the blue. It looks very fun. I will give it that. Um, it's going to be disgusting, though. I should have brought a throw-up bucket with me when I came back. That was an oversight on my part because I, I know this is going to be terrible. My assumption is it's just going to be sweeter than fuck because cotton candy just tastes like sugar. Does cotton candy have a flavor? I mean, they have. I I call cotton candy by the color, because I, I I honestly don't think there is a flavor. I'm sure you could put flavor in, but cotton candy tastes like spun sugar. 
I don't know. Let's. I'm gonna crack this open and smell it. Yes, same. Holy shit! It actually smells like real cotton candy. Oh yeah, it definitely smells like cotton candy. Holy shit! Weird. That's so weird. All right, tasting. Pouring mine into ice. God damn it! How is that possible? How is this possible? It legit tastes like cotton candy. That tastes yes, like cotton. It has a flavor. Yeah. That tastes like cotton candy and it's flavorful. I wouldn't expect that to be possible because cotton candy has, uh, you know, now that I'm tasting it, yes, it does have a distinct flavor, sort of almost like a caramelized sugar almost. But yeah, how, to, to have it in liquid form in your mouth and smell and taste that much like actual cotton candy is a very bizarre sensation. It's yeah, it's it's not something I've ever experienced before. Mm. Is it weird that I kind of like it? Let me tell you, that's okay for three sips, but I could never see myself drinking 24 ounces of this shit. Okay, I've just I've just had three sips. I'm going for a fourth. Yeah, the novelty's kind of wearing off. Um it's it's a weird thing. It's it's a exciting first taste and then i don't know what to do with it from there i I feel like it's one of those things where like you could go tour the fago factory and they'll give you like little taste tester shots of soda and like you would pick up the cotton candy one take the taster of it and think oh wow cool that does taste like cotton candy but i would never drink more than like i said three sips I might take a sip of this here and there over the next week, uh, you know, just right. bits. Um, but you know what this is like? You know those Jelly Belly jelly beans that have all the different crazy flavors and you taste one and you're like, wow, that tastes like whatever. That's the sensation here. Yes. Yes. That is absolutely the sensation. But you wouldn't want to eat an entire bag of that flavor Jelly Bellies. God, no. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing for sure. Um what are, what, are, what what Fago score would you give this? Fuck, dude. It's so weird. Uh, I want to give it a high score for the execution because the packaging is awesome. The color of the drink is kind of cool. The smell and the flavor are dead on. And yet drinking it is not beyond that first few sips and enjoyable. Like on a hot day, I wouldn't be like, man, I'm thirsty. Let me grab that Fago cotton candy. Oh, you God. know what I mean? I just um, physically repulsed. Like, just at the thought of drinking one of these on a hot day. It's not bad, but because of what it is, I'm giving it a three. So that's that's the exact score that I was going to give it as well. I think uh, if if they didn't execute the actual taste so well, it would have been like a two for me because this, I mean, yeah, does not taste weird. It's it's I would never drink more than three sips of it. But the fact that they got the execution of it so well, it has to be a three for me. Yeah, and it's it it is it's kind of sickeningly sweet. Uh, even just if your brain is just perceiving this is like cotton candy, but it's like, wow, wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. I've been so curious about Fago cotton candy, and now we know. And never have to drink it again. <laughs> I have two bottles of it for some reason. Do you really? Yeah. Bad move on your part. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't hate it, but I can't imagine drinking it for fun. This nah, is, it's I just to taste it for this. For you this know, show. I'm, I'm going to taste. Have one more goodbye taste, and then yeah, get, get yourself a good taste of it. A good big sip. God, they do. How do they do that? I don't know. Uh, I've also just just made another sort of. Uh, I've I've had a revelation. Mm-hmm. Some drinks are gulping drinks. You get yourself a big mouthful and swallow it down. Some drinks are sipping drinks. Oh yeah. This is a sipping drink. This is with little tiny tastes, you get the flavor and the smell more. When you take a big gulp, you don't get as much. It's you, just you a lose sweet it. Soda. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I agree that this is definitely a sipping soda. Mm-hmm. Um for sure. You you get like the 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 symphony of flavors when you just sip it. God, it's weird. It's so fucking weird. Oh, yeah. Very weird. So, hey, uh, Fago Cotton Candy, congrats on the three Fago score. Um, And, hey, let's set it on up for next week, baby. So, next week, we're going to be reviewing the 2000s Bizarre Bizarre. Sort of. So, since it's a double album, two full-length albums that dropped on the same day, we'll split this into two episodes. Next episode will be uh reviewing bizarre with two a's um the first half of bizarre bizarre it's weird yeah neither of these spellings are correct um b-i-z-a-r-r-e b-a-z-a-a-r would be the correct spelling but uh eh, oh well yeah yeah i uh this is a weird album right because instead of a sideshow from a Joker's card, which they didn't do for Malenko. Instead, they did Forgotten Freshness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're doing instead of an EP after Jekyll Brothers, two full length albums that are not Joker's cards that drop on the same day. It's weird. Yeah. So, do you think that they're kind of going away, like doing away with the Joker's cards? Uh, no, they're not. Not with Joker's not with the Joker's cards. Uh, sorry, with the with the sideshows. Because uh, here are yeah. two Joker's cards back to back that that mm-hmm. aren't don't have sideshows. Yes, I definitely think that's the case. I think they're kind of getting rid of that that concept and just moving forward without it, uh, which is kind of a bummer because I kind of liked that. I thought that was cool. Um, oh yeah, I thought that was super cool. I'm kind of, I'm I'm super bummed about it as well. Eric, where can I find you on uh, line? You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at nuclear is lonely what about you friend you can find all of the stuff that i'm doing on uh www.locklearcomedy.com uh that's where you can find all of my links to my socials my youtube the content that i do on other forms of social media i stream on twitch five days a week uh twitch.tv slash gristle media come hang out with us there I have a good time with uh, multiple people that I, I stream with, as well as all of my viewers are super awesome as well. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at ICUPWWE, um, where we will uh, post show updates and announcements. Uh, so until then, for Eric, I'm Aaron, and a big old whoop whoop out there for everybody that listens to this show and we will see you next week
has been a Gristle Media production. You know what? I'm going to take this back. What is up? (laughs) (laughs) All right. These have been added.